Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Action Network Podcast presented by FanDuel. I'm your host, Chris Raybon, and this is your NFC 2023 Season Betting Preview Part 1. In this episode, we'll be previewing the NFC East and the NFC South. We'll be looking at their win totals, any other futures we like. Uh, If you haven't checked out our AFC pods, those are already up right now, so be sure to give those a listen as well. And of course, here it's a Break down the NFC East, the NFC South with me, the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stucky, Stuck. What is going on? What's up, brother? Uh, it was nice talking to AFC and the powerful conference that it is. And uh, I'm going to enjoy talking about the wide open NFC. It's oh, yeah. uh, definitely an intriguing conference with uh, especially the NFC South, which we'll talk about today. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about the South. We're going to start with the East, uh, and then we'll do the South uh, second. Uh, I also have a, a piece up on ActionNetwork.com right now, previewing the NFC East. Got a, a future for each team and just kind of my thoughts on the outlook. So if you want to go even deeper, be sure to check that out uh, as well. But let's start with the Philadelphia Eagles. Their win total on FanDuel, 11 and a half. Juice to the under at minus one twenty eight. I think the first thing, you know, with the Eagles and just to know kind of with these big numbers is that double digit win totals going back to two thousand two have hit about forty four percent of the time. So anytime you're looking to bet a team like this, the history is already against you. So you really got to be careful and pick your spots. Uh, that being said, what are your thoughts on on this Eagle team? You know, losing both coordinators. Still, still love the roster construction, but uh, you know, lost some linebackers, lost some coordinators, lost some safeties. Uh, what are you thinking? Yeah, the Eagles are obviously one of the top dogs in the NFC, but the NFL is a funny place. Uh, the last so that the Eagles lost their three games last year. That was it. The previous two times that they lost three games, two thousand four 
when they lost the Super Bowl. The next year, they finished 6-10. and 10. McNabb was a disaster. McNabb was unbelievable the year before. And then in 2017, when they won the Super Bowl, next year they finished 9-7. and seven. Um, They uh, obviously went 14-3 and three last year and lost the Super Bowl. So the previous two times that they went to the Super Bowl and only lost three games, major regression. Now, obviously, it's just a sample size of two. But it just goes to show you that things sometimes just don't go as you think they will. And as great as Hurts and the offense looked last year, maybe it won't go as well. Maybe there's some injury regression on the offense, which was really healthy last year, the whole team, really. And, yes, there's certainly some questions on defense, uh, especially up the middle and at safety. You have some aging corners that you never know when they're going to fall off, and then you have some new coordinators. So there's definitely some questions. The core is still really good. Um, The offensive line, Hertz really did take a step forward if you just look at his underlying metrics. And, uh, you know, it's kind of what people are going to ask of can Fields do that. You know, that's what people are asking about Hertz. Like, it's just throwing accuracy, his pocket presence. He answered all those questions last year. I, we'll see if he can be that good again. He was awesome, even in the Super Bowl in a losing effort. Uh, but when you look at the Eagles last year, we talked about some of the, you know, potential injury luck, but the schedule. Last year, they had the easiest schedule in the NFL by the end of the year, per my numbers, based on how all the teams performed. And if you look at their schedule last this year it's obviously much more tougher they won their division so they get a first place schedule they have a stretch at the end of this season that after their i mean we really could start it i mean when when can we really start the stretch it's like just to illustrate how tough the schedule is i mean even they're at the rams on the west coast let's just start it there should be a win but at the rams then at the jets back across country for another road game, then home against the Dolphins, then at the Commanders, home against the Cowboys, bye. At Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, at Cowboys, across the country to at Seahawks. I mean, that stretch is absolutely brutal. One of the hardest stretches I've ever seen. And it's pretty crazy that that's, you know, an NFC team this year gets that kind of uh, difficult stretch on their schedule. So I think that, and what, hey, guess what? They have a first place schedule. You know, what do I always say every year, Chris, in the NFC East? Never repeat winner since 2004, baby. Uh, or is it 2003? 2003, 2003 it? the okay. Eagles. Yeah, so no no team has repeated in as division champs in the NFC East in 20 years. And if things don't go as swimmingly for the Eagles and some of the pieces on defense don't come together and there's some lack of continuity with the coordinators and or, you know, there's some worse injury luck. This division could be open for a certain team that I think you and I both agree on that we'll get to. But yeah, there's certainly some questions, but there's no doubt the Eagles are one of, if not the best team on paper in the NFC. Yeah, they're they're a fascinating team for me because number one, I just want to say like give uh give Howie some credit because mm. I, I just love the roster construction like even down to you know none of the running backs are making more than two million I believe and it's a pretty good backfield yeah. you know spending down they don't at, care about linebacker st- yep spending down at linebacker spending down at running backs uh you know safety you know letting some of those guys walk. And so I I love, 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 love the roster. Like, I would say this is the best roster top to bottom in the league. 
uh, he's like San Francisco's, you know, in that running, but I, I think the offensive line is weaker for San Francisco. Um, and that kind of d- separates it for me a little bit, but love the roster construction. So when I'm kind of looking at Philadelphia, I'm saying, okay, I love the roster construction. I love the talent. Like, I'm not just going to fade this team, you know, just on principle, but I, I'm not, I don't, don't want, I, I do agree. I, I think it's, it's going to be hard to kind of replicate everything going right. And, you know, to that point, you know, you hear this narrative all the time about teams that lost the Super Bowl. They can have a hangover. And we have seen going back to 2002, the Super Bowl loser is just six and 13 over the win total in the subsequent season with two pushes. So about 32 percent odds. Now, still a small sample, only about. And part of that's years. just regression. Like if you get to the yeah. Super Bowl, yep. like yep. just natural regression, a lot of things went right. So the next year, you know, you could have bad turnover luck or bad injury luck, blah, blah, blah. Like yep. McNabb in that 20, 2005 season, for example, you know, they lost Super Bowl. He was bad. He was worse. And then he tore his ACL running down the sidelines. And then their season tanked after, I think, eight or nine weeks. Yeah, exactly. So, you're, you know, injury luck is a big is, is a big factor. And the Eagles, by DVOA last season, they had the easiest schedule in the league. So – a lot of things went right in a lot of different areas. That being said, I do think there is an interesting way to play the Eagles. Uh, it's not doing anything with their wins uh, either way, because I really don't want to fade them just just because of the, the trends, because I really do like the roster. But I do think their schedule is going to be a lot harder this year. Uh, I have it as the sixth hardest um, this year. And you mentioned that stretch. Also, Looking at what they did in the offseason, adding DeAndre Swift, I think they want to have Hurts throw the ball a little more. Uh, I think it's going to be just a tougher go. Hurts has been improving year over year as a passer every year. So I actually like Jalen Hurts uh, for an MVP future this year. He's on that short list of quarterbacks for me that I think has a good shot at winning it. And when you look at, you know, Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson, I think, are the two comps for for Hurts. You know, would have to have a similar type of season uh, to win. Really, the only thing Hurts hasn't done yet that those guys did in their MVP seasons was passing touchdowns. Cam Newton had 35 in 2015 when he won MVP in addition to 10 rushing scores. And then Lamar had 36 in 2019. Hurts only had 22 last year, uh, 13 on the ground. So I think... Betting the MVP for Hertz, uh, and at, I believe it's at twelve to one. I'd bet it about nine or ten to one, honestly. But the schedule's going to be harder. You're going to have to throw more. I think they want to throw more anyway. Even if he loses a few rushing stats because they're throwing more, or because the game script isn't as good, uh, I still think he's going to get a ton of rushing touchdowns because that that tush push. It's still pretty unstoppable. I still think if they get, you know, to the one, even the two, maybe uh, where Hertz had seven of his scores last year on the ground, uh, I think they're still going to run that same tush push play. So I do think Hertz can still get his rushing numbers. And I think we could see a big, another step forward in, in his passing numbers, because now you're, you're finally adding a, a pass catching running back. Uh, you're going to have a tougher schedule. Just more is going to be asked of Hertz, and it kind it's kind of reminiscent of that Super Bowl where you saw Hertz put up the big passing numbers and that stretch that you mentioned. Dallas by 
at Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco, at Dallas, at Seattle, home against the Giants even. You know, not ne- division games are never a gimme, um, even though they dominated the Giants last year. But, you know, overall, I just think Philly is going to have to throw a little more, both by choice and because of a harder schedule. And so if Hurts keeps taking step forward, I think he's going to be in solid position. You're still going to, you know, always take some luck. You know, Mahomes is going to have to not throw for you know, 5,500 yards and 50 touchdowns or 45 touchdowns or whatever. But if I do think Hurts can make a big jump in his passing touchdowns uh, because we've seen that with like Lamar the year before, almost looked like he couldn't throw a football. And then all of a sudden next year, 36 passing touchdowns. Cam Newton the year before, he uh his MVP year, pretty, pretty average, nondescript Cam Newton year, you know, touchdown passing touchdowns in the mid-20s. So uh, I do think it, there's precedent for it. So that's that's the bet I've made uh on the Eagles is is hurts to win MVP. Yeah, I don't hate the logic. I had, I had a similar I had similar logic with uh my Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. MVP bet. Um yeah. it's not gonna be an easy schedule. I think there's gonna be a revamped offense and he's gonna get those pass numbers up. The one thing I would say I would Say though is that you know the MVP is it's a subjective award. Yep. And like the the rushing touchdowns that Hurts gets, I feel like they don't help him as much as they should because it's like they just don't hit that one card of like the quarterback. Like it's like here are their passing touchdowns and interceptions, right? So like if you have like for example last year it was Mahomes like you know fifty five hundred yards and all of his passing touchdowns, and then you would just see the comparison to Hurts and then like the rushing stats, the rushing touchdowns kind of get lost in the mix, but I don't hate your logic at all. I'm fading the Eagles partially in a okay. different way by taking uh, the Cowboys to win the division. Uh, plus, I think you could plus 175 plus. You think you can find a plus 190 out there. Make sure as always you shop around their win totals up to 10 and a half. I project them. Yeah. You know, a little lower than that. So I don't see any value in the win total. I project the Eagles at 10 point, eight five like between 10.8 and 10.9 wins a lot of that is because of the schedule so i don't have the cowboys too far behind um as far as my project raw total win projection and instead of going under on the eagles i think you know the eagles have a really really high floor i think that the cowboys in order to win this division you know, they're going to have to win 11, 12 games and then hope that the Eagles win 9, 10, 11, 10, 11, probably more realistic in the NFC. So I'm getting plus 190 on a bet that, um, you know, instead of the the win total. And also, like, if the Eagles have disastrous injuries, mm-hmm. the Cowboys could win this division with 10 wins, right? Like, there's always that in the cards. Now, I get it. There's other parts to this argument. Right. There's still a, there's two other teams in the division, which is a fair point. But I just don't think that the Giants who will get to have that high of a ceiling. Yeah. I mean, what? Well, let's start with the Cowboys. Yes. I, just, I like what they let's did with, with the roster. Um, you know, they added a they needed a, a second quarterback, a cornerback, which they got, um, you know, a little past his prime. But um still a big upgrade especially after the injury last year it was just an absolute disaster Stephon Gilmore that is for everyone yep Stephon Gilmore and they also needed you know some another speedy receiver and they added Brandon Cooks and yeah he's still so he's still a decent and we'll see how much he has left in the tech I can't believe he's only 20 he's only 29 somehow 
feels like he's like 38. Um, and then I, I am a little bit concerned. There's two things I'm really concerned about. Cause this has been a, like a borderline top five team each of the past two years. If you look statistically and last year, they had all kinds of offensive line injuries, injuries that were receiver. I, I like their starting five of their offensive line. Like, you know, if you get the Smiths in the right position, you get st- like, if it's healthy and it wasn't last year, but it's pretty good if it's healthy. So they could have some better injury luck there. I am, a you know, there was the whole McCarthy statement about wanting to run the ball. His track record says he won't do that. We'll see. Maybe he's changed. I mean, people change for the better and for the worse. Dan Quinn's changed for the better. Maybe McCarthy's changed for the worse. But I do like that they got rid of Zeke. You're going to see more Pollard, which I think is a good thing as long as you keep throwing. Dak had a ton of interceptions last year. A little unlucky, but the Cowboys have also been fairly lucky on defense with some turnovers the past years. I think those two things washed each other out. But I think the Cowboys are, when healthy, really high floor. They can compete with the Eagles. Uh, and I think there's some value at plus 190 to win this division. The kicker could be a problem. How, I don't know how Tristan Viscay, I don't know who their starting kicker is as of right now. It's, it's Brandon uh, Aubrey. He, Brandon t- Aubrey. Do you know when he started playing pro football? Yes. When? Guess. Last year. Last yes. year. Um, I think he I read a, that. He was a soccer player in college, soccer player in the pros. And just picked up football last year. I think went to that USFL, and now he's the Cowboys kicker. So oh, yeah, it's that, a better option than Viscaino, who I don't know. He keeps this. He's gone. He's he gone. Keeps, yeah, he he's keeps gone. getting work every year. I don't. He'll probably end up on like uh, the Browns. Yeah, he, that's yeah, a yeah the, Browns, the Browns. Yeah. This season. Um, yes. Oh my God! College. It is. That's definitely is. happening. Um, it is. So yeah, kicker's a question. Like, I've, like people just tend to forget about kickers. Um, but they, they could swing you a couple of close games, cost you a division, cost you a win total. Um, so that's certainly a question with the Cowboys. But I like this roster. I think there's value plus 190 to win the division. Yeah, I was so surprised. So when I, when I kind of dug into the NFC and came away liking the Cowboys, number one, because just, I'm just so used to them being such a public team that there's almost never value. Like I remember last year, I think it was on this edition of this podcast that we decided that, that we were going to fade the Cowboys and take the Eagles to win the division. I, I believe it was. So like, it's just kind of weird liking the Cowboys, but to put it in perspective, just how good the Cowboys are. And they obviously got better in the off season, adding Gilmore, adding cooks uh, on, on offense, I think was a nice little addition too, because uh, they were, they, you know, Michael Gallup was hurt last year, but Noah Brown, you know, the, if this offense wants to operate at peak efficiency, you need a better pass catcher than Noah Brown. I know he does a lot on special teams and, and in the run blocking game, but um, to put it in perspective, Dallas Cowboys are twelve and five last year. You flipped their two overtime losses to wins. They lost a, a three point game in overtime to the Packers and uh, a tip ball pick six to the Jaguars. You flipped those two games from losses to wins. We know that's how you know one score games can can go. Uh, they'd be fourteen and three, just like the Eagles, and that was last year. And now. This team got better. I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think the Eagles got better. I, I love their roster, and I think they have a, a better roster, slightly overall. But this Cowboy team is is very, very good. And I think the toughest thing with getting behind the Cowboys is just they've just been such a joke for so long in terms of you know they're not advancing in the playoffs and all those just embarrassing endings against the 49ers and the Zeke pancake thing last year, but. It's a very intriguing team. And I think in the NFC, 
you know, there's a clear top three with the Eagles, the Niners, and I put the Cowboys in that in that conversation. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm with you to win the division. And, you know, the Eagles, we already talked about it, going to be going to lose more than you're going to win if you're if you're kind of betting on them to, you know, win and go over and replicate what they did last year. And then the Niners, they're just such a I, I think they're I think they're a little more fragile than they've been in years past. I think the O-line on the interior is a little weaker. Um, and you know, just, I think this cowboy team, you know, I don't know. I don't think the coaching is better, but the, I love the Cowboys roster. I love the town. I think Dak Prescott is being a little slept on everyone. He goes from, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in the league, rarely turns the ball over, has one year of bad interception luck. And all of a sudden it's just, oh, he's just like reckless passer who, you know, is the reason the Cowboys are losing games and he has to change his, you know, his whole game and he's getting OC offensive coordinators fired. And like, nah, man, Dak is still an above average NFL quarterback. Uh, and with this roster, uh, I think Dak could win a Super Bowl for you with this roster. But I will say this, you, you mentioned the kicker. I think two things I want to, I would, I would want to get more Intel on the kicking situation and the play con, like you mentioned. Now, I don't think, even if the Cowboys come out of the gate and they look really good and let's say, let's say the like weeks one, two and three, the Cowboys go three and they play the Giants, Jets and Cardinals. So yeah, that, they could easily go three and oh, or even four and oh, and then they play against New England and then they play San Fran in week five. I don't think the futures odds are going to change that drastically because the Cowboys are already one of the top teams. So I don't mind kind of waiting until I see a game or two or, you know, just to get a better sense of is is this kicking game going to be functional? Are they going to be a team that's kind of going cycling through kickers all year? Is McCarthy? Yeah, you know, what exactly are the changes going to be with McCarthy? Because you know, I don't see how they run the ball more. They average almost thirty two attempts per game, and they got rid of Zeke. Like, where are these attempts coming from? You know, so I don't think they can run the ball more. I, I mean, if they do, I would I would be surprised. So that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out. But like, uh, are, do you, do you kind of agree? Do you think like if the Cowboys, let's say they start three and O, do you think you're losing a ton of value in the futures market by then uh, relative to San Francisco and Philadelphia? Nah, I mean, it, it, it depends on a couple, it depends on how San Francisco and Philadelphia start. Right. So if like mm-hmm. there's an injury, right. Or something, then yeah, that's yeah. You could lose it then. But um they're America's team, so people like to bet on them. They're like one of the most bet overs, right? So yeah, they're already in the futures market pretty low and one of the top teams in NFC. So yeah, if that 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 information, that information if you deem it's important, which I think it is, then yeah, I think it could be valuable waiting. Um the yeah, I mean, the interesting thing with the kicking situation is I, I thought I saw this. Like Stephen Jones came out and said that, yeah, we got three weeks before the season starts. There's still a lot of work to be done. Like leaving the door open for maybe they sign someone else instead of Aubrey. But Jerry Jones's quote about it was, he said, he just needs to get out here and get some experience. It'd be like dropping a 21 year old in the Valley and bringing him back and drinking a beer. I don't know what that has to do with kicking, but yeah, I don't think that's a bad plan at all. Um, and I like them for the division. Cause I don't think the two teams that we're going to talk about next and the commanders and the giants are quite there just yet. Yeah, I agree. So that's that's kind of how I'm attacking Dallas um, heading into the season. But Stuck, everyone at Action Network knows that you treat your body like a temple. That's why I'm excited about our new sponsor, Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. 
Factor hooks you up with delicious, chef-prepared, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your crib. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with a healthy lifestyle. Uh, There are three main things that we love about Factor. Number one, no chopping, no prepping, no cleaning up. Number two, you get great flavor and the nutritional quality that you need to tackle challenging topics like the Dallas Cowboys kicking situation. And three, Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just minutes. So this August, run your own two-minute drill with Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Select your meals and enjoy fresh meals delivered to your door just head to factormeals.com slash action network pod 50. That's five zero and use code action network pod five zero to get 50% off. That's code action network pod five zero at factormeals.com slash action network pod five zero to get 50% off. I haven't tried them yet. They're sending me some. Our producer, uh, one of our producers, Matt Mitchell, raves about these things. Says him and his wife have been eating them for months. So, and uh, Matt knows his food, so I'm excited to try them. But yeah, let's go. Let's uh, move on to the Giants. Seven and a half, the win total. You know, I look, I look at this roster on paper, and I'm like, eh, eh. And then I, I think back to how good Debo is, and that it's year two, and. I'm sure there's things that I'm not even factoring in that they're going to kind of, um, you know, whip out in terms of, you know, scheme and, and game plan and things like that. Uh, I do like Jalen Hyatt. I, I like the Waller edition. I don't think it's quite at the level of, let's say, you know, Hertz getting AJ Brown or, or Allen getting Stefan Diggs, but I do think we might be underrating Daniel Jones a little bit. Uh, at least I, I might be, or I was, you know, we saw him kind of play in different styles of offense and, and, and have success, you know, as a rookie, he threw all these touchdowns, was more of a high volume guy, had a bunch of 300 yard games, a bunch of four or five touchdown games. Then he became this lower volume guy, cut down on the turnovers last year. They really didn't drop back or throw deep at all. And uh, I just think there's a, there is a lot of room to grow for this pass offense, which is why it's pretty crazy that they had like one good lineman, one good skill player, a quarterback who everyone pretty much thought was a bust, and they finished 10th in DVOA on offense last year. So this team is it's 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 going to be tough. It's tough to to kind of handicap, but and I also think the defense is probably they have some unsung guys and some rookies that are going to start in the secondary, but I think the defense might be a little better. So it's like when I look at the roster on paper, at first I'm not really that enthused. But then when I start thinking about it, I think this is one of those teams where there's like synergy. I think the sum of the parts is better than the, the individuals. But uh, what, what are your thoughts on this giant team? Yeah, I mean, I think the Giants win total under will be a quote-unquote sharp under. That I can see that being the case. They were lucky last year. You look at the roster, Daniel Jones, blah, blah, blah. I don't. I don't personally see it. I project them at seven point six wins. They're, you know, yes, they were lucky last year in one possession games, but Dable is the AF. I feel like he's going to be the AFC version of Vrabel, Dable mm-hmm. and Vrabel. He's every year we're going to look back and say, oh look, his teams for the most part overperformed, and they were good in one possession games and close games. And he's going to get the most 
have a roster that doesn't look as good as the record should indicate. I feel like that's just going to be the case. And yes, they were lucky in one such games, but they also had a lot of injuries at wide receiver. Uh, you know, they even some in the secondary and then their offensive line was a mess and he still got the most out of Jones. Now it's a league of adjustments. We're going to see what the league does to adjust to what that offense looked like. It was amazing. Jones had the lowest interception rate in the entire league, which is pretty wild. Mm-hmm. So, you know, rolling him out, making him focus on just like one part of the field, um, you know, really cut down on his turnovers and fumbles too. Um, but, you know, the league's going to adjust. So we'll see what what Gable will counter with and what wrinkles he will add. But there is some hope for this roster, which was left in just absolute shambles by previous management. Uh, so, like, here's what, here's what you hope. They have a really good left tackle now, one of the best in the league, if you – dig down to the underlying metrics. Now you hope that Neil at right tackle takes a step forward. It was you know, up and down in his rookie year, but he was a rookie. And then you drafted a, a big time mauler rookie at center in Schmitz from Minnesota. So like your offensive line has some more potential now with a bookend at left tackle and on defense, there's still questions in the secondary, but if banks their cornerback that they drafted. One of the easiest ways that you can make a big jump in today's NFL is finding a corner, a young corner who hits. We saw it in Seattle and we saw it right across the street with the Jets last year. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, if you have a healthy, when Dory Jackson's healthy, I I love him. And then you have a a rookie that hits, um, then all of a sudden your defense can be significantly better. I think they added some reinforcements to help with the run defense as well. So there is some potential with this roster. I project 7.6 wins regardless, and I trust Dable. I trust this staff. Regardless, I do think they're headed in the right direction. You know, you mentioned also Waller could help as well. It could be a perfect fit in this offense if he stays healthy. I don't think that the ceiling is that high where they could, you know, even in a weak NFC – uh, I guess if they get in, anything can happen. But I don't think that they could get to like 11, 12 wins with this roster, and which you might need to win this division. So I have no interest in plus 850 to win the division. I project them right at 7.5, not a guy that I want to fade. I mean, last year I faded Vrabel for like the second straight year, and I hated it. And luckily I hit because everyone got hurt. Um, and so I don't want to get in the habit of uh, – fading Dable. So this is right on for me. No play on the Giants. We'll definitely look to back him as a dog though. Yeah. And Dable has a, you know, obviously only one year, but uh, still has that, that winning record as an underdog straight up. Uh, I believe it's six, five and one. Like you said, another Vrabel. I, I do think there's an outside shot. This team could win 11, 12 games because I, I, I do think there is, there's a lot of like in a lot of areas where I, I think, like you said, sharps are probably going to have you know all their ratings for all the different units and probably give them like I've seen the Giants bottom five O line, you know they were what were they twenty ninth in de- defensive DVOA. Probably a lot of people aren't going to have them much higher, but you mentioned a secondary, so I know this Banks and Hawkins, uh, their sixth round pick. So Banks was their first round pick. Hawkins was their sixth round pick out of Old Dominion, I believe it was. It is those two guys have had such a good camp. And when I hear guys like on the Giants teams like that 
Titans, Giants, good coaching. Like when I hear, you know, oh, the coaches love these guys. They're having a good camp. I take it a little more seriously just because I respect the coaching staffs as it is. And I know like a team like this, like we know it's a merit-based system. Like we saw that last year with the wide receivers and whatnot. But these guys have had incredible camps. So they're going to start Banks and Hawkins on the perimeter and move Adoree Jackson to the slot. Now, a lot of people are going to look at that and say, oh, Giants starting two rookie corners and probably downgrade them. But like I said, these guys have been so good that there is a at least fair chance that they can carry that over into the regular season. Um, that changes their defense a lot. Like if Banks, even even if Hawkins is just, eh, we know Jackson's good. If Banks can, you know, play anything like he has in camp and live up to that pedigree this year instead of it taking a year, you still have Williams and Thibodeau and Lawrence on the on the line. Uh, you, you finally have like at least one decent linebacker in Bobby Akarake, and uh, your safety situation should be pretty solid too because Pinnock is another guy who was I think it was a, a fifth round pick a couple years ago. Not really a, a heralded guy, but he's another guy been having a really great camp. Like this team, this defense could go from bottom five DVOA to having plus starters at seven, eight, maybe even nine positions. So that's how I kind of see this team overperforming. I, I'm not there yet. I haven't bet anything on them. I, I do think there's a part of me that says this team could be better than last year. And just because of how tough the schedule is still take a step back. You know, they go to San Francisco, they go to Buffalo. Uh, those two, I mean, obviously the two games against the Eagles stand out Dallas, two games, you know, so it's, it's a tough schedule going to Miami early in the year when it's probably still hot. Uh, so there are, there are quite a few tough games, but this is also a team that I think could win a lot of games as an underdog. But I do, I do, I do think there might be maybe early in the season, especially some value on the Giants, uh, because I think this defense could take a big jump, 29th in DVOA, and it could, it could at least be an average defense, you know. And defense is a, there's a lot of randomness with that anyway, year to year. Yeah, but uh, that that's just kind of how I'm looking at it, and just some of the stride, like you said, Daniel Jones. He also played the perfect game against Minnesota. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback play. Like, I mean, I have, but it's been very rare that I've seen a quarterback play that good a game. I, I just feel like, like you said, don't want to fade this team. Maybe I'll maybe I'll just get on the win total. Um, I'm kind of leaning over the more I kind of dig deep into it because uh, there's about six or seven really tough games, but I think the rest are winnable. Uh, yeah, th- I just don't think it's hard for me to see this offense, like, in order to win 11 to 12 games, like, how good can you be in close games to win that many? Like, because it's they're going to be in close games, right? Like I just don't see them um, being this explosive offense that can put teams away. That and to play devil's advocate on the defense, look. And as Dable said this week, he said, "Look, Adoree's played in inside when we match, so like he obviously has played. He, it didn't look great in limited snap count against the Panthers, I believe, when he was in the slot. But you know, it's a position he's moving, right? So he's moving to a new position." And where you know he's you know he's good on the outside, and now you're putting two rookies on the outside. Number one, that's always a question in Wink Martindale's defense, where that you got to be you're on islands, and he's bringing everyone. So I think that they do fit what he looks for in corners in his like just build wise and skill set wise and length, and 
So Hawkins in particular is like a perfect fit, mm-hmm. but they're so young and like in a Martindale defense, you're asked so much as the corner, then you're moving. So like, it could be really ugly, maybe good for the future, but Again, on, uh, there's all. This is what makes them interesting from uh, a defensive perspective. If they hit, all of a sudden you got two really good corners and Jackson inside. Then your defense can go. The Jets went from bottom five to top five um, because of the the corner hit. So it definitely could make uh, for a much improved defense. And we could say the same thing about the last in the NFC East with another rookie corner. Yep, and that and that is really, I think the only way Washington uh, competes, like they have to get, somebody has to hit because uh, on that defense, because as it stands right now for Washington, I have them outmatched at quarterback in all but two or three games. And even though they had a top 10 defense and I, I have a lot of respect for their defense. I, I love Cam Curl at, at safety. I love that front, you know, even without Chase Young, it, it's still a great front. Well, like Fuller, um, but they it, it, they still need one more, at least one more piece in that secondary because you know having two solid safeties or you know, one really good one and one good corner, you know it's still there's a reason why corner is the premium position and safety isn't. The, the good offenses are still going to find ways to attack your weaknesses and, and the linebackers, uh, you know aren't aren't great in coverage either. So there's going to be ways to attack this 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 Washington defense. But if Forbes hits and 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 Johnson, uh, is he hurt? Did he? I, I got body slammed by Mark Andrews. So he, maybe he's just hurt. But I, he had a pretty good end to the year too, in like a, a limited role too. So I mean, if they can just get a second corner to play well opposite Fuller, which they really haven't had, the defense should be good. But I just, I'm just not there with the offense. I I, I think Sam Howell is going to make a lot of mistakes. Like I don't necessarily think he's going to be like terrible, but. I think he's going to make a lot of mistakes and I think they're going to be pass heavier. And I still don't like the O-line. Um, I like Dotson. I like McLaurin, but I just see a, I just see in a really tough division with a really brutal schedule. Uh, I just see them being a little too mistake prone on offense and not, not quite enough on defense to like, even if Forbes hits, I would still have them as the inferior defense in like eight or nine of their games. So that the schedule is just brutal. I think that's really what it comes down to me for, for Washington. I disagree with that. If Forbes yeah. hits, yeah, if Forbes hits, then this potentially could be a top five defense. Um, now, that's a big if because you're asking a rookie who I liked at Mississippi State. Um, but you're you're talking about one of the best – you know, defensive line combos in all of the NFL. And I mean, I don't think, is Chase Young a, uh, a Shaq Leonard? Um, Bro, I don't even, I mean. Is he still limited? I don't know. But like, if you added Chase Young, we don't know what we can expect now to that defensive line. Um, and you mentioned, I really like their safeties. I also think that St. Juice can be a good slot corner. This is okay. a guy who's been, just he never gets as much respect as he could. He was even at Michigan, got absolutely fucked over by Harbaugh and that staff. They like made him sign a waiver to go get uh, help on his hamstring. He said, "Hey, sign this paper and you can go get help here outside of our, and get the best help." And he signed it, and he basically lost, gave away his scholarship. Then he had to transfer to Minnesota. I don't know. You can go read about it, but um, 
And then he's been like moved all over from the inside to the outside. And um, now he has like his defined role. And I really like his skill set. I think he can be a really good slot corner. Doesn't get enough respect. So like, and then, you know, you have Fuller there. So like that miss, it's just that missing piece that if Forbes can hit it is so big for that defense when you already have a really good defensive line and good safeties that it could, yeah, it could take them to the next level. Um, And that's the, the beauty of getting a, a first round corner if they do hit now it's still definitely asking a lot we've we talked about a lot of the first round corners who have hit and helped their defenses but there's just as many examples where it doesn't work out right especially right away um the offense yeah i agree we'll see what maybe like if you could talk yourself into forbes hitting and how is we, we haven't seen a ton of how so we don't so there's more variance there Yep. Maybe you, you take a flyer on eight, 18 to one to win the division. I, yeah. And maybe there's some injuries in, to other teams. Maybe I could say, it. I don't think the offense is there yet, even though you have two really good receivers. Uh, the offensive line is definitely a question mark with a very young quarterback. You're moving a lot of pe- different pieces around like to new positions too on that offensive line. And then what really I projected like 6.8 wins I think the, their win total adjusted for Juice is like 6.3. The thing that, you know, kind of put me off of being a potential buyer or maybe even looking for a flyer is when I look at their schedule, right? Young quarterback, questionable offensive line. I don't like all of their road games. Like, so, for example, um, they get the Bills at home and then they have to go to New England, right? Like, things like that. Like, you would much rather Philly, go Philly. to the Bills. They, they got to they go. They've, at, they have Bills at home in week three, then at Philly in week four. No, no, no. I'm saying, like, for the other divisions. Oh, oh, oh. So, like, you would much rather go to Buffalo. You're probably going to lose that game no matter what, right? Then And then you want to get the Patriots at home, right? A more winnable mm. game. And then get that game at home. So, you know, and then you also get the Dolphins at home. I think you would rather, in my opinion, get the Jets at home. You get the 49ers at home and have to go to the Rams, right? Like, things like that. So, I the way that their schedule broke just from the home road randomness and the other divisions that they play for a young quarterback, who's probably going to play better at home this year with a you know questionable offensive line. I don't like that. Right. So like going out to LA instead of going out to San Fran, you know, you're going to lose. And then you get the Rams at home, right. Going out to the Rams. It's not a gimme, but it'd be a much better game if you have them at home. So it's a pass for me on Washington, but some intriguing pieces to watch. Yeah, uh, I just when I look at the schedule, I just struggle to see where they're getting these wins. Even because like even some of the games where you know like you're going to Denver in week two. Now, if everything breaks right, you know that's a game. You know you're you're not going to be too far off power rating wise. But like I don't want I don't want a team with a good defense face going on the road facing like a Denver at New England, like these, there's like all these, there's like similar teams to Washington where they don't really have an edge, even with this defense. Like if they, if they don't beat out, yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. The schedule yeah. didn't break, right? Like they got all of the, the games that I, they could have, if they got them at home and then mm-hmm. got the tougher opponents on the road, which they were going to lose anyway, I would like the schedule so much more. So they just, they just got a shitty break and yeah, going to Denver, like you, you do get the Cardinals at home week one with, no Mary, so like good, but you're probably going to beat the Cardinals anyway. Um, that was a road game that you probably could win. The, the going to the Broncos week two, that's the worst time to go to Denver too. And like the you look mm-hmm. historically, the Broncos against the spread in the first two weeks with that altitude, and other teams 
aren't necessarily in full shape yet. That's that's tough to to go there then. So yeah, I don't like the way the schedule broke for Washington. Yeah, like they, if they don't beat, all right, they have Arizona week one, Chicago at home in week five. That's if they don't win that game, you know, they go to Atlanta. We like Atlanta. Uh, they could realistically start one and twelve heading into the bye because you got at but Denver. They'll be one and zero. They'll be one and zero though. No, oh, they will be one. They will be in first but, place. But but I mean, if there is, there's only like a short list of teams that I could see. Choking no, weird the shit happens in week one. In week one. Yeah, that's what I mean. Shit, yeah, and, 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 and I feel like Washington is definitely on that short list of teams that I could see blowing a game with the car. Like, it, it, so it, so it, we have them ugly. going. Do we have them going zero seventeen now? Somehow, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, they they end at Jets versus San Francisco versus Dallas. So, it, it, I mean, if they start poorly, I mean, like they, this is like the floor in this team is still like two and fifteen, which is not. I mean. And I just don't see the ceiling. Like their win total six and a half. That's around. I have it a little lower, like six one. But I think the floor is like two. Whereas I don't think the ceiling is ten. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. Washington. What what is uh what, what's let me pull up a uh, worst record. Yeah, you can bet on that. And like last team to win a game. If they didn't, if worst they didn't start with Arizona, record is Washington is. Plus eleven hundred to have the worst record. The Arizona's the obvious favorite. I think that they are actively seeking it too. The one thing that hurts that bet for you is um, the the backup for Washington is competent. We spent a lot of time uh, on this NFC East, and I do want to to get into this uh, NFC South. So. Uh, let's move on. And uh, also, we know the new NFL season is almost here. So your old habit of never missing a snap on Sunday is back. And I want to tell you about another habit that I've been getting into, Caldera Labs Skin Regimen. It's, it's simple. And it takes just one minute in the morning, one minute at night, which I love because uh, the last thing I want to think about is all these different skincare products. Uh, it's like you're already in the habit of brushing your teeth. So just stack another habit right on top of that. Uh, put your skincare right after, and uh, you get your skin just as fresh as your pearly whites with Caldera Lab. They got three steps. You got the clean slate. That's the face wash. Uh, and then you go with the base layer, which is your standard moisturizer. And then you have the good, which is a serum you can put on at night, and it reduces you know fine lines, dark circles, puffiness, all that stuff that, especially as guys, we don't really think about. So I think that's cool that you have that third step in there. Uh, but, you know, we know skincare is very important and, and that's just a, a habit that I've been uh, kind of picking up for a better, clearer skin. And uh, for our audience, in case you guys want to try it, we got an exclusive offer from Caldera Lab, their best offer anywhere. As a matter of fact, you can use code ACTION, A-C-T-I-O-N at calderalab.com, C-A-L-D-E-R-A, lab.com. And get 20% off right now. That's 20% off with code ACTION at calderalab.com. So make unforgettable first impressions that lead to those magic words you know you want to hear. You look younger. And get 20% off at calderalab.com with code ACTION. And I have been using it and I I do approve. I I think it's it's a dope product. And I like that you have all the different steps in one kit so you don't have to worry about you know, going all over and it just gets confusing. So um, shouts to Caldera Lab. But let's go to the South and the the Saints. 
Nine and a half is the win total. The best thing I think the Saints have going for them this year is the schedule. Like, it is up and down. Every game is winnable. They're too tough. They only play two division winners. uh, Projected division winners, sorry. And the Lions, they play at home in week 13. And they play the Jaguars Jags. in week yeah, seven. I have two, so two, if my power ratings, I have them, you know, like most do, rating, teams rated above average, right? Like, so mm-hmm. like if you're a plus one, you're rated one point above a neutral team on, I mean, an average team on a neutral field. So if I take, the only two teams on the entire schedule that are above average are the Jaguars, as you mentioned, and the Lions. They play both of them at home. If I incorporate home field and it just subtract that from the power rating of the opponent to get the spread, then they, you know, I do have them uh, as underdogs on the road. And I think, mm, let's see, three games. But they basically don't play anyone that's above average for my power ratings when you incorporate home field event. Like, that's insane. Um, two teams, just in general, two teams that I have rated above average on their entire schedule. And it's not like they're upper echelon teams. It's the Jags and the Lions teams that aren't way above average. Um, So yeah, this is since I've been doing this, the easiest schedule um, for my easiest schedule, strength of schedule rating that I've ever seen. Yep. And all that being said, still, uh, still bearish on the saints this year. I, I just, I still think, I just think it's, I think almost all of their rating is coming from the schedule. And you, I think we've had these arguments before, like when it's like, well, the Jaguars have the easiest schedule because they play the Colts and the Colts have the second easiest schedule because they play the Jaguars or something like, it's like, it's something's got to give somewhere. Um, I, I, you know, you know, there's a second easiest schedule since I've been doing this. Who? The Falcons. Yep. This year. Yep. Yep. yep, yep. <laughs> I was just about to get to that, but let me, cause like, Man, there are two teams in this division that I really hate, and and one of them is not the Bucks, and you know I love the Falcons, so you know which two teams you can put that together. There's two teams that I just really think have a lot more downside and a lot more kind of underlying risks and things that could go wrong. Because every team has things that could go wrong, things that could go right, luck that's going to even out, whatnot. But for the Saints, first thing, Derek Carr. If the Saints are going to exceed expectations, meet expectations, whatever. They're going to need a quarterback to play reasonably well still. You know, Derek Carr has just never been good. And maybe things could change, but he's just never been good in his first year in a new scheme. It's happened four other times in his career. He's been in year one of a a new scheme. And it's the four worst seasons of his uh, career in terms of passer rating, pretty much every uh, yards per attempt, completion rate, every – efficiency metric you could you could think of Derek Carr has had his four worst statistical career years in the four new four years with new with with you know in his first year with the scheme he's gone he's and and you know part of this is obviously just the Raider defense but that's why this the numbers are so crazy to me is that in the four years when he's in a year one of a new scheme he just hasn't won games. Like he's been a pretty average, mediocre quarterback when he's not in year one. He's gone 41 and 39, so 51% straight up. But in those four seasons when he's in year one of a new scheme, 22 and 40, just 35%. I mentioned, you know, all the numbers. 
his accuracy, his adjusted accuracy, you know, when you adjust for drops and you, you remove throwaways, all that stuff, been declining for three straight years. Last year, it was uh, 35th out of 41 qualifiers at PFF. The interior line of the Saints is weak with Pete, McCoy, Ruiz, you know, all those guys graded out the 30 uh, in the uh, 36th percentile or lower. And the reason I worry about that is because they have, I love the tackles. Uh, you know, you have Penning, you have Ramchek, two first rounders, young guys, good tackles. The Raiders had pretty good tackles last year, but a terrible interior line. And Carr just was never right. And his accuracy continued to decline. So I, I'm just, I'm just worried about Carr being a, a, a even at, like, replicating what Dalton did last year because Carr's numbers, Carr never even put up Dalton numbers from last year in year one of a new scheme. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little pessimistic about Carr, you know, and then there's just a lot of things that like, there's more, to me, there's more downside than up where, okay, let's say you get Michael Thomas back and he's healthy and Lattimore plays more games and uh, who else do they admit? Penning plays more games. Well, you also had, Elite seasons from Cam Jordan at age 33, Demario Davis at age 33, Tyron Matthew at age 30. You know, like these guys aren't going to be elite forever. Your quarterback depth outside of Lattimore, I mean, it could be really bad unless, you know, these guys, you know, Taylor was really bad last year. Adebo was bad. Roby, those are the guys projected as the next three on, Roby, on the roster. Roby right. signed for like a- All three of them were there. PFF had 118 qualified corners. And again, PFF grades and everything, but I think it kind of speaks to what I'm saying with the depth. All three of them ranked outside the top 100 after Lattimore. And Lattimore was great last year. He, 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 he didn't allow a touchdown. Um, and so I don't like PFF has him graded pretty mediocre. I don't agree with his grade, but I do agree with the grades of the other guys. They were not good. So, you know, there's just, I just, for everything that I see that could go better than last year, I see another situation where, you know, you can't expect things to continue. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm pessimistic on Carr. I don't like Dennis Allen as a head coach. Seven and 10 was his best record ever as a head coach last year. He's never gone over a win total four year in four years, uh, you know, starting uh, as we, in week one as a head coach, his team has never gone over. So I don't think he's a talent maximizer. Uh, You know, you lost one of your best defensive coaches to the Falcons and two of your, you know, two, two pretty good defensive players in in Ellis and on Yamada. So like, there's just been like this slow drain on the saints and it's just tough because like like you say, the schedule is so easy, but it's easy because there's just a lot of mediocre teams like the saints on their schedule. So it's not like, Oh, like, we're just going to like, I'm, I'm personally anyway, not going to just ignore all of the reasons that I'm down on them and say, well, they're still going to win like 11 games because the schedule's easy. Like I could see them just as easy losing 11 games. Uh, Cause it's just a bunch of other teams that I have rated very similarly to the Saints. So I do, I am not high in the Saints at all. I think a lot of it is just the market saying the schedule's easy. The division sucks. And so we're going to ignore like any potential underlying issues. Kamara, you know, hasn't really been as good the last two years. Taysom Hill can't keep putting up like outlier touchdown numbers. He's about to be 33. I mean, I just, I I just think you're depending uh, and relying on a lot of guys who could easily fall off a cliff, starting with Carr, Kamara, Taysom, all the guys on defense I mentioned, you know, I, I, I just see more downside than upside, but I mean, maybe you disagree. No, I don't. It's an old broken roster. It needs to ever like from yeah, the cap. Yeah, yes. It needs to be needs to be just blown up. And, okay. 
uh, and they need to start over. I mean, like, if everything goes right, you know, like the offensive line has some potential. I, I'm not as down on the interior as you are. Mm-hmm. It's Fair. not great, but it, it's it's okay. I mean, Pete, Pete hasn't been good in years now. No, but I'm, I'm just saying overall. Like, if, if yeah, you have okay. two good tackles, they can be – now, but Penning still has like technique to work on. He's obviously has all the tools. He's like six, what is he, yep. like six, seven, three, thirty. Like wants to smash everyone's head in. Like he's the proto. The if you made like an offensive tackle on a lab, you would make that guy. Um, but and he's got a good. They have a good offensive line coach in Marone. But they, so you know, and then you your wide receivers and live up to their potential. And don't get hurt. You have a good secondary on paper. Like I know that we, you know the corner, some of the corners, but you have one good corner two really good safeties. Um, so like, but it's so old and, and just, there's no depth and it could all fall apart at any second. And to your point, I have them favored in 13 games. I have them favored, not favored by a touchdown or more in any, I have them favored by barrel almost just under a touchdown at home against the box. Um, and then I only have them favored by, that's the only game I have them favored over four and a half points. Average their average spread on the year is minus two point one right. for all their games. And um, so yeah, I want to fade them. Uh, so I lean under, and I can't see it. The Bucks are I don't see it. Baker Mayfield just named the starter. Um, the Panthers. I'm a big Bryce Young fan, but they're not there yet. Wait, so no, we, we got we got to talk about the Panthers. I want I want to talk about the Panthers. On, but okay. I'm gonna say, but that's one of the reasons why I bet Falcons uh, to win the division. Spoiler alert. But let's talk about. I mean, how should we do this? Do you want to talk about the Falcons last, since we yeah, both sure. love them? Yeah, it's so like Panthers, Panthers, another team that the market I think is too high on. My issue is I, I just really don't agree with a lot of their organizational decisions, and I just don't think Fitterer, Frank Reich, really get it. Uh, and so I'm just. Like I, I was on the Panthers last year down the stretch after they fired Rule, but I think this could devolve into a, a similar situation uh, around. I love Bryce Young, but I just I, I think that when you look at a lot of the moves they made, Frank Reich, he's already I thought a bad talent evaluator near the end of his tenure in Indy. I thought he, I thought his team kind of sunk as he started losing a lot of his brain trust uh, in his coaching staff. You know, Sirianni. He had uh, Eberflus there, uh, a lot of guys. And as, as those guys started to leave, I just think you started seeing more disasters and just mistakes and lack of talent maximization. But, you know, you give 13 mil guaranteed to Adam Thielen. You know, he's on the other side of 30. You give another 13 mil to Hayden Hurst. He's on – he's – on you know 30 you give a big no 14 mil adam thielen sorry not 13 14 mil to adam thielen then you give 13 mil to hayden hurst when you already had ian thomas tommy tremble i mean not saying these guys are great but i don't think hayden hurst is moving the needle he's never had even 600 receiving yards he's 30 years old he had coming off a career worst season despite playing in a borough offense you gave him 13 mil guaranteed you gave DJ Chark, $5 million guaranteed. Fine. One-year deal. Not the worst. But then you give another $13 million to Miles Sanders. His weakest attribute is pass catching. But you go and you want to make him into a three-down back. 
you give you give him 13 mil. So third 40 mil guaranteed Hayden Hurst, Miles Sanders, and Adam Thielen. 45 mil when you add in DJ Chark. And this is still a below average offense with no real needle movers around Bryce Young. You know, Aquanu didn't hasn't really taken a step forward yet. I guess Moton on the other side is okay, but I just I I, I just feel like they spent a lot of money on prior track record, and this is a trend I'm noticing with Reich going back to his indie days, where he just you know you, you get into trouble with the quarterback, and you're trying to just patch things up with these veterans and not projecting forward and not really understanding how talent is going to mesh with the talent on your team already you're just looking at like what they've done in the past and if that deviates then you you don't really have a a, a second option because like 45 mil guaranteed come for adam thielen dj chark miles sanders and hayden hurst like are you kidding me it, like they, they the panthers are supposed to have a head start because this division is so weak they're supposed to have a head start Bryce Young on his, on his rookie deal. They're supposed to be in position to win a division this year. Instead, I like the under on their win total. I I think this is going to be a very bad team. I think this is one of the worst coaching hires. I think Reich is super mediocre. If they were going to not bring back Wilkes, who obviously had this team motivated to um, compete at a higher level than it was under uh, under uh, Matt Rule, you know, we saw a night and day difference. I mean, I was betting the Panthers almost every week once they fired their coach and they were covering almost every week. There's a clear difference. But okay, if you want to move on from him, don't just make a mediocre like bring in like a new fresh mind or something. Like this is I I hate the hire. I hate the I hate all of the moves. I hate that they gave up uh, a number one wide receiver. And that was my question to you, Stuck. When have we, have they ever has in, in the history of the week, I don't, I can't think of an instance, but when you trade it for a franchise quarterback and obviously you're going to pull out all the stops, nothing's more important than a franchise quarterback. But when has a team ever had to give up its number one receiver in exchange for its number one future franchise quarterback as a throw in? Like, has that ever happened before? Not that I can recall. Yeah, like so it's like every move I see that the Panthers make pretty much I feel like they got fleeced or it's a bad evaluation of talent or a bad use of the salary cap and so I think that's going to carry over into onto the field and I don't think it's any uh coincidence that the Panthers got shut out in their first preseason game because that kind of speaks to the just the the a, the a bad roster like I get that in preseason you're just going one-on-one and you're not scheming but that's the point it's like none of these guys won to the point where this team could even score a point in the first week of the preseason uh so yeah I'm I'm way down on the Panthers I I, I don't like really anything they they've done outside of acquire young and even then you had to give up DJ Moore you spent you know f- over 30 million dollars guaranteed on replacing your your receiving core and you got a, a cooked Adam Thielen uh a one-year DJ Chark a 30-year-old Hayden Hurst coming off his worst year like I, I just don't I don't trust this team and I, I don't like the moves but I also don't trust it going forward because of what I'm seeing um what, what are your thoughts on the Panthers yeah I like Bryce Young um and the only other example, maybe like the this is going way back, but the Eagles traded for um, 
uh, Roman Gabriel, quarterback from for the Rams, I think for the number one. But I don't know. I think uh, we're going way back. I'm trying. I'm I'm really trying to. Remember, just like, like, what do you think of just all all the moves in totality? Because, like, for me, I was kind of, okay, you know, I'm doing my deep dive. I like to go through each unit, each player, you know, look at the moves, look at the cap. look, And every single move I I, I see with the Panthers, I'm just like, don't like this, don't like this. Like, even, you know, the the, the draft pick Mingo, the wide receiver, you know, Matthew Friedman, our, our guy, made a good point that, you know, wide receivers who have not led their college team in receiving uh, really don't tend to pan out in the NFL. I'm not saying Mingo won't, but like even, you know, even something like that, where it's just like every move, there doesn't seem to be any type of like know-how or sharpness behind it where, you know, like with the Eagles, you can kind of get a clear sense of, of what they're doing. You know, the Niners, the, you know, a lot of the good teams, you can kind of see with this team. I just, I don't like any of the moves. I just, I, I, I just can't get over it. And I, I don't, I don't like, like, what do you even think of the hire? Like, I don't even like the hire of Reich. I, I think, I think he's like, he's probably our next whipping boy. Like we had urban, we had, we had Dan Quinn, we had uh, Hackett last year. My prediction is Reich is that for this year. Like Reich is going to be our whipping boy that we're going to bet against just almost auto bet. But I, I don't know. What do you think? Cause I'm just, as you could tell, just all the way out on Carolina. Yeah, I mean, we'll let you speak for the Panthers on this podcast. You're the Panthers whisperer. Their win total is seven point, basically seven point six. Yeah, I project them seven point six. It's the least delta out of any team. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, there's some decent veterans. You got a decent quarterback duo. Uh, Bukwaku takes a step. You got a decent tackle. You got some offensive line continuity. A couple guys returning from injury. I like Bryce Young, but it's uh, an average team in a bad division. I have nothing on them, but you like the under, and I've you, you said it all perfectly. There's nothing for me to add. Yeah, so I just they, nothing moves the needle for me on this team. It just I just don't don't like it. But uh, with the Bucks, and then we'll get to the Falcons and why we like them. So Tampa Bay, the win total six and a half, juice to the under at minus one forty two. Obviously, Brady gone. Um, you know, I think I should, my question to you would be, what, what is your view of this offensive line? Because that was just, that finally did it for Brady. Like that, I think that, like that Brady couldn't overcome that offensive line. So, uh, I'm curious as to, you know, did you see any improvement this year? Are you even more worried with, you know, guys switching sides and, you know, like, what are your, what are your thoughts on the Bucks O-line? Yeah. I mean, look, they're, the Bucks are going to be really bad, and they got some like you have some defensive pieces. You have two good mm-hmm. corners. You still have some good defensive guys up front. Um, you know, good secondary in general on paper. It's an overall aging roster. You, know, you got some couple good receivers, but it's Baker Mayfield at quarterback. And what do we always say with Baker Mayfield? It's like can if he's getting pressured, mm-hmm. he's cooked. And yeah, this offensive line is really worrisome. The right side looks very dicey and then you have Werfs, your all-star moving from the right to the left and he's like seeing a psychologist over the move that's not what you want to be hearing headed into the mm. season so and be- and best yeah. you know best wishes to him like that's no yeah that's no, but i'm like, just saying don't want to like, make, yeah, a, make light of it or anything like that no we're just talking about from a football yeah, perspective yeah, yeah if, no if yeah. if he's not able to deal with that move you're taking your best player who was thriving at this one position, moving into another position, 
And then if that goes wrong, your right sides are going to be a mess. Um, and then it's all going to fall apart even more. This, And then the bottom falls out of this team. And then all of a sudden they could have the worst record in the NFL, theoretically. So uh, I, I lean under. I project them at like 5.6 wins. Um, even in this uh, division, because they – um, have they they have like a hard schedule compared to just relatively speaking compared to the rest of the teams even though it's easy overall I think I'm the 24th because um, they won the division artist. first yeah, place so schedule division yeah um, so yeah I project five six five seven the win total is like at six juiced a little bit it's like six point one so um, I lean under but it's so low in such a bad division and still in the NFC that's a pass for me but I got a question. Like, so I know, you know, obviously you, you watch a lot of college tape and you, you know these guys better than I do usually when they're coming out. Like, is there any way to kind of get a sense of when a guy like Luke uh, Gadecki, I believe that's the pronunciation, Gadecki, like, um, yeah, like when a guy has like such a bad season as a rookie, you know, sometimes they just stay bad. And sometimes like in a case of a guy like Andrew Thomas, uh, they make that jump. Is there any kind of indicator you can look for? Like maybe anything they did in college or, you know, it, it just, does it differ by draft pedigrees or anything, you know, maybe are they better in run blocking or pass? Like, is there anything that is an indicator of which way a guy's career is going to go after they have such a bad rookie year as a, as a, as a O-lineman, especially a tackle? Yeah, well, the thing is, is that he was a tackle at Central Michigan, mm-hmm. right? So, um, and then if you look, like he was six five, six six, three twenty, so like he fit the the build, and but he wasn't playing against elite competition. Okay, um, so like there, you know, he was a he was a tight end in high school, and like didn't even play offensive line got to central Michigan and, you know, he was their starting right tackle as a sophomore. A lot of that is just like, it's the Mac. Like he's huge. He's going to, he's going to obviously be the starter there. And then he was out for the year with an injury in 2020. Um, And then he had a really good year. Um, And then he was drafted and like, there's, you know, he looked great at the the combine, fit all the profiles, but like, there's not a huge history. It depends. It depends on the guy, basically, is what I'm saying. Okay. Um, and now he's moving positions, right? Like, yep. Um, so but no, he's not. Ahead. He's tech, like, isn't he staying at right? And is because he no, oh no, he was he was playing. What was he playing last year? Yeah, he was. Oh yeah, he was inside last year at left guard, and now yeah. they're moving him to right tackle. Yeah. And and that yeah, so that's and that's why they're moving um. Uh, Worf's over to the other side, but like, yeah, I, I so don't know. He started right tackle yeah. in college. Yes. Um, is what I'm saying, but now he's switching positions in the NFL. So you have like this, so like last year, what can you really take from it with this position change? I don't, it's not like he can be like, Oh, I got this experience doing this in the NFL. Like you got to throw a lot of that out. I mean, at least he was thrown into the fire. And then the sample set that we have of him, you know, playing this position is in the Mac. Like you're not, it's not the SEC, right? Like you're, 
you could take like some of these guys. You're like, all right, look how this uh, offensive tackle held up when he went up against these elite defensive ends that are now in the NFL. You can look back at um, how he performed against some of the pass rushers, the elite pass rushers that he faced. If he had a bad year, and he's like, all right, there's not much to go on. Like you're when you're Central Michigan, um, so I have my doubts. Obviously, he can still turn it around, but um, there's not much to go on to be really hopeful. And that's that's just going to be, like you said, a massive issue for Baker Mayfield because that's one thing we always kind of swear by is when he's getting pressured, that's when you want to fade him. And when he's going to have a clean pocket, he might surprise you. And it just, you know, I mean, Wirfs said I'm moving him over and struggling mentally. And then Gadecki on the other side, rookie on the rookie uh, guard on the right side. So, yeah, this offensive line – is, there's a chance it's even worse than, yeah. than last year. And that, you know, the defense I could keep them in some games. I mean, I think there's going to be an under team for sure. Right? A lot of 17 to six losses and things like that. But yeah, I, 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 I don't want to go under six and a half, but yeah, I don't, I, I don't think they win seven games. So if if you force me to choose, I would go under, but I feel like I, I, agree. I can't, I hate every team in his division, but the Falcons. So let's talk about the Falcons. Uh, By the way, I hope it does work out for worse. I'm rooting for him. And then if it does work out, you know, he's – because he started, what, every game at right tackle for his 2020, and he was mm-hmm. one of the best. But if it does work out, then, you know, obviously it'll be good for him mentally, but he'll get he'll get way more money. Yep. Um, his next contract is a left tackle. Yep. And, you know, it's – I mean, rain to be seen. I mean, he's definitely got talent. We've never really seen him – play poorly in the national football league. He's been pretty good from the jump, yep, yep. Uh, you know, as far as I remember. So, um, but yeah, this offensive line, big concern. Uh, another guy I feel really bad for Russell Gage. Um, just can't seem, you know, he had that bad injury in the playoffs, then comes back had now has a season ender. So that even like, you know, like this team, forget the offensive line. Like if they lose Godwin or Evans, like, I mean, my God. That that receiver depth, there's none. There's none there. Yep. Not yeah, much. That's a very aging. Nothing in the skill position. Shallow roster overall. Nothing. Yeah, just nothing. Nothing there at the skill position outside of Godwin and Evans. I mean, Rashad White is Rashad White. You know, maybe he'll get better, but he wasn't even good after Conte. You can't. He wasn't creating anything with the bad offensive line. That doesn't bode well. Uh, Kate Otten, not not really impressive to me. Um, so yeah. There, this offense, I mean, it is it 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 could it could get really bad if even if one of Godwin, uh, Evans or Wirfs goes down. I mean, oh, forget it. But defense, fine. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about the let's talk about the Falcons. Um, we both like them. I already bet them to win the division. We both like them to win the division. So uh, tell everybody why uh, we think this is the best team in the NFC South. Yeah, I mean, if I look at my projections, and we've been talking about this Falcons bet for a while, um, I project the Falcons at 9.2 wins, and I project the Saints at like 9.5 wins, right where they're at. Now, a lot of that is just the easy schedule, but that's not that much of a difference. And I can get, you can find a plus 190 out there on Atlanta. Um, and as I, the, Atlanta roster, I don't think is, you know, old and broken and needs to be blown up like the Saints. Like, I think the Saints need a lot to go right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these, you know, they really have to avoid injuries. 
um, for this to work. And I don't necessarily think that's the case with the Falcons. We know they're going to have a really good running game. I disagreed with the draft pick of Bijan Robinson, but he's just from a long-term roster building perspective, I would have liked them to, because the one thing that's still, I would have really loved them if they just got, if they addressed the edge rush issue, like if they, that could really take their D. I know they, they added Campbell, who doesn't seem to age, but he <laughs> eventually he will. Yeah. yeah. Um, his like production just never falls off. It's kind of like the Saints, though. Like it's like a Cam Jordan, yes. one day yes. he's yeah. going to stop Jordan being is, elite yeah. and just be okay. One day, one yeah. day. Maybe and, not today, um, but one day. <laughs> and yeah, but like the, and the Saints like were, have been super reliant on Jordan to get pressure. That's not the case with the Falcons. The Falcons just. Campbell's going to be solid and like be solid against the run. And um, he's definitely an upgrade. And then, you know, you still have Grady Jarrett there. The linebackers are very questionable, but you know, cause like going and get Bud Dupree is just, he's just not that guy. But um, so I wish they would have gotten, or, you know, went out and signed someone to help off the edge, but in general, you know, getting Campbell and, you know, you have a really good corner already. And then getting Jesse Bates, I think was big on the back end. So I like some of the pieces that they added to the defense and on offense. Um, you know, it's, we still don't know a lot about what we have with Desmond Ritter, but he's not going to be asked to do a lot. This is going to be a run reliant offense. And we saw last year how dominant they were when everyone knew they were going to run. And then they only add B. John Robinson, who's, you know, going to, they're going to be able to use him in many different ways. Um, and it's going to make they're going to be able to create matchup problems with him by moving him around, using him in uh, th- as a receiver. So I love the move just for the making their offense way more dynamic. Um, and yeah, I think that this team has a pretty high floor. Like it's yes. hard for me to see everything falling apart like even if Ritter gets hurt who cares maybe it's even a good thing uh not a good thing to get hurt but you have Heineke was it really that much of a difference um so I, I think Ritter gives you you know a little more maybe a little more upsides we just still we just don't know yeah unknown, um, yeah. yeah but uh yeah I I really like this team I think the D will be a little improved they'll be able to use Bijan and high floor in this division uh, at this price on top of that, I just, the bucks are going to be bad and I don't see it with the Panthers with a rookie quarterback and some of their other issues. So I think the Falcons are the clear choice here at two to one. Yeah. And best coach in the division, best coach yeah. in the division. Uh, and last season with Mario to start in 13 games with uh rookie Ritter starting four, with Kyle Pitts missing seven games with, no B. John Robinson with Cordero Patterson, who last year was a bigger part of the offense missing time. This was still the number 12 offense in DVOA. It was still the best offense in the division. It got better. There's no way the quarterback situation should be better. Just like you said, I, I think Heineke and sophomore Ritter is still better than, you know, Mariota throwing passes from his backside and rookie Ritter. Yeah. Uh, and then Bijan Robinson, generational talent, whether you agree with the pick or not. And for Atlanta, I mean, it's not a team that it might make more of a difference for than Atlanta, who is just going to run so much. Yeah. Uh, and then I like what they're doing 
on offense in terms of movable chess pieces. You have uh, a tight end that's a wide receiver. You have a wide receiver that's as big as a tight end. You have a a running back that's a wide receiver and a returner who can who's probably going to go back to wide receiver this year. Uh, you have Bijan Robinson who you plan to line up in the slot. You got Jonu Smith now, so you're a little like you can. He's kind of a more of a complete tight end, so you don't you know when you're kind of using Pitts as a wide receiver, you have a, a, a you know Jonu I think gives you a little more than a guy like Parker Hesse. Uh, or, or or Michael Pruitt. So I I like the offense. The O line is 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 one of the better ones uh, in the league. And yeah, that offense has so many chess pieces, yep. and it's gonna be it's uh, similar. They have similar vibes to the Lamar Ravens for the first couple Greg Roman years, where you know you're seeing all these high flying passing attacks and everyone is adjusting their defenses with, you know, your, Hey, we got to have our two high safeties and change the defense to stop. And then the Ravens come along and then you're like, wait, this is not who we normally play. We're not used to prepping for this. And then, you know, they kind of have the advantage and play how they play and other defenses aren't built to stop this type of offense. And now with all the pieces that they've added on top of that, because of their interchangeability and the, their flexibility, you can create so many mismatches all across the field. Um, so, yeah, I think that the the Falcons are uh, very are my choice to win this division. Already locked in some plus one ninety. Yeah, I, I, this is one of my first bets. It might have even it might have been my first bet of the new season. I got it. I think I got it like plus three hundred or plus three fifty. I got yeah, check. But I got so, I got some yeah. wear. Yeah, yeah, people don't care it's, about hearing about yeah. that. No, right? no, yeah, just. Trying to say how doing. how much we love it. <laughs> yeah, we talked about this when we uh, telling people to bet it when we did our in fairness when we did the uh, like pre draft. Yep, you know that podcast like, like a, a, three months ago. Yeah, well, and you know remember too that the the Titans, you know Arthur Smith when he was the OC, everyone looked at that offense. I mean, they had Derrick Henry, but outside of him, it was like okay, this offense stinks. And next thing you know, this team scoring thirty points every night. Yeah, Falcons got B. John Robinson, Drake London, and Kyle Pitts. Pretty good. Like, yeah, this. I'm, there's a lot of unrealized upside, and if the defense could just be average, because it was bottom three, but now you add Campbell, you add Bates, like you said, two guys from the Saints, Anyamata and Ellis, who were pretty good, and their their D, um, you know, one of their was it their D line coach Nielsen is going to be the the coordinator over Dean Pease, who I think the game had passed by. So the defense is going to look a lot different, even. You know, the pieces are better, but just I think it's going to be a better coordinated and scheme defense, too. Uh, and, and at the same time, it probably drains. It's like a drain on the Falcons. You know, you lose two players and one of your, your better uh, defensive coaches. So, yeah, it's I, I like the Falcons straight you up the against Saints. the Saints. I mean, yeah, I like the Falcons. The yeah, they're draining the Saints. Um, you got Nielsen coming over from the Saints. And then, you know, Ayamada and Ellis, the linebacker, who had a really good year last year. Um, we'll see if he can keep it up, but, uh, was he, I think it's seventh round pick, but a couple, a few years ago, but yeah, e- either way, defense, if they could just get to like a little bit below average, even, you know, from 30th last year, the offense probably gets better, probably breaks into the top 10 in DVOA. Um, yeah. And, and in this division, you're going to win games. So, and you know, the kicker's good. So not one yeah, of those teams. Good expect, special yep, teams too, yep, overall, right. which is important. Yep, yeah. In this especially division. in, yep. in this division. 
Um, and then when you have a schedule that, you know, and you're playing these games where you're running and then uh, they're going to be, you know, the Falcons aren't going to be blowing out teams. And then I, I have their average projected spread for the year at one point minus 1.2. I haven't favored in 12 games, but there's going to be a lot of coin flips, special teams could decide a couple of them and they have really good special teams. Yeah, yeah. Just now, this team, this this team's gonna. The Atlanta Falcons are gonna surprise people. Uh, you know, the the average NFL fan is just probably used to them being terrible on defense, and you know, oh, they're all run heavy. But I, I think this team is gonna surprise a lot of people. But uh, yeah, that is finally the end of this podcast. By the way, the the other thing with the Fal- the last thing I'll say about the Falcons, <laughs> so we can make this even longer. Um, if you look at their schedule early on. You know, they. I think they have the. They might every game might be at one on like on a Sunday too, which is like how you you can build like good rhythm. Oh yeah, you know? they have um, one game in London in Jackson, Jacksonville week four of London. Everything yeah. else is ten uh, one Eastern, ten Pacific until week ten. But that's at Arizona, which if there's ever a winnable road game in the evening. And then and right into the bye, and that's too. at one. That's at one Eastern though. No, that's no, four Eastern, Eastern. body clockwise. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. And then the bye, and then you play New Orleans at home. So yeah. that, that's, uh, that's a great time to play New Orleans, by the way. Like, coming off a bye at home. Usually, you come off a bye, you go on the road. So that they really did the Falcons a favor uh, by giving them New Orleans off the bye. And then, but week 17, they're in New Orleans. So that, that should be interesting. But, um, like, if you also, if you look early in the season, they're, of their first seven games, Carolina – Bryce Young, Green Bay, Jordan Love. Then you have yeah. the Jacksonville, and then you have Stroud, Howell, and then Howell, Baker. You know, so uh, for obviously that's like six first-time quarterbacks and Baker of your then, first. Uh, and then two weeks later, eight, first eight games. And then two weeks later, probably potentially Colt McCoy or Clayton Toon if if Kyra hasn't come back by week ten or they just decide to shut him down. So and then the bye and then. Yeah, it's... yeah, you get more more of those first time quarterbacks, um, and then like later in the season, you get Zach Wilson after Aaron Rodgers just goes after <laughs> it starts poorly. Uh... Yeah. Anyway, all right, we gotta stop. We got. We we recap. Start. Quick recap. Yeah, Falcons, Falcons, Falcons. We all love the Falcons. Um, I, I I don't mind their eight and a half win total either because I, I think they're going to be a winning team. Uh, well, obviously, the, I think the division is the best way to invest because you're getting. Great odds, but they've come down, so I don't mind the win total if that's just your style. Uh, I like the Panthers under seven and a half. I like the Saints to miss the playoffs at plus one sixty. Uh, we both lean under on the Bucks, but I mean it's minus one forty two at six and a half. Just I mean not not really much going on there. And then in the NFC East. I like Cowboys Hurt. division. Yeah, you, you like you like Cowboys yeah. division. I'm Cowboys division. Saints, Saint, lean Saints under, and Falcons division. Yep, and I like Hurts MVP. Uh, I like I, I do I do like Cowboys division and even Cowboys uh, to win the NFC. But I I would like to get uh, a better sense of what they're going to do in the kicking game and how that new offense is going to look. So I might wait until like after week one. I don't think the odds will shift too crazily, so I don't think it's uh, that bad. I lean under on Washington. You. See some upside there. Uh, lean over on the Giants. Um, you're kind of you're in line with that, and uh, yeah, that that's gonna wrap it up. If you guys have not listened to our AFC episodes, those are up as well, and 
we'll drop our final uh, season preview episode, part two of the NFC. That'll be the NFC North and the NFC West. So look out for that as well. You can find Stucky on X at Stucky2. I'm at Chris Raybon. We're at those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app. And if you haven't listened to our very special podcast interview Monday with legendary gambler Billy Walters, check that out as well. And until next time, get this money. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.